Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk. Thank you for joining us for this half hour. Now, let's talk. And welcome to it. Good morning. I'm Tracy Morgan with Let's Talk with WISR 680 AM and 107.5 FM. Thanks so much for joining us this half hour. This is our half hour that we get to talk to great professionals in and around the area about issues that are important to you. And today is our day with Family Pathways. And we're going to be talking about some of the different changes in the laws and, and how that has led to youth being uh, placed in foster care. So that's going to be our main focus. I'm sure we'll touch on a couple of other issues today as well. But before I welcome in our guests, let me give you all the different ways that you can listen. Because you do have the opportunity to listen to us on the radio. Thank you so much for doing it. You have Alexa-powered devices. So you can just say, Alexa, play the rock, or not the rock station. That's our sister station. WISR 680 AM. That would be good. And then that's how we'll come up there for you. And then, of course, you have the app. So wherever you find your apps, look for ISR's app, and you can download that. Or you have a streaming online. That's WISR680.com. Pick the Listen Live button, and there you go. All right, so let's do this. Tracy Biaki is with us today, and Ashley Boltz also with Family Pathways. Ladies, nice to talk to you. Tracy, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, Ashley, nice to talk to you as well. Welcome back to the program. Uh, thank you so much. I am um, looking forward to it. Yeah, so Tracy, let's start with you. Mm-hmm. Um, when we had talked before we started our program today, you had mentioned to me that there were some changes in laws. So mm-hmm. um, I'm just curious on where you want to start with that and, and talk about the changes that have been made. Sure. Um, the beginning of this year, they kind of changed the, um, it's called the Family First Act. And in doing so, it has prevented, um, it, it has done a lot of good for us, um, but there's also, we've seen a negative side to it. But, um, you know, it was meant to keep older youth out of conjugate care and, um, you know, for no reason, just for them, you know, not having a place to go. They were kind of stuck in these facilities that almost resemble like, you know, lockdown facilities. So in, in them changing the law, um, it kind of, you know, the county can't just hold them in these facilities because there's no families for them. So now they have to have certain diagnoses to be in these facilities um, or the county has to, you know, pull them out of the facility and, and find somewhere for them to go. How does that work then? Because if, if uh, you're already trying to find families for uh, mm-hmm. youth who don't have homes and now this is... Um, I want to say forced upon, but the, the change has been made. And how right. do you uh, find the families? So, and that's why we're on the radio with you, Tracy, today, because we have seen an increase in the need for foster homes. Um, you know, right now, before, if there wasn't a foster home available, the county could use one of these facilities and kind of they could be in the facility until a family was found. Um, now we see a lot of our kids sleeping in CYS offices and, um, you know, hospital waiting rooms, things like that, because there, there are no foster homes to put them in. Before we go down the road, of of what you are seeing and that further description of what you're talking about there can you go back to what these facilities um i don't say look like like give us an Mm -hmm. example if you will that we could picture that um now these young individuals are not supposed to stay there they have to find a home 
Mm-hmm. So there, there are different types of facilities. There's a treatment facility, um, what's called as a group home facility. So that's kind of like, you know, after they finish their treatment, it's a little bit of a step down um, to kind of, you know, get ready to go into a family setting. Um, there's what all, there's called um, independent living facilities. So that's even a further step down. They're kind of, um, you know, more independent, um, doing a lot of their own chores, grocery shopping, managing their money, things like that. Are these group homes or? Um, so a lot of them, um, you know, right now because of of the law, a lot of the people that were in the tr- um, treatment facility who don't have the right diagnoses were then stepped down into the group home. And then from the group home, they were stepped down to the IL. So now those, we're, still, we're, we're seeing, you know, those facilities being overpopulated, and now we don't have any placement facilities for, like, emergency um situations. So when you talk about diagnoses, what would a diagnosis be to require or, or allow a child to stay? And, and I'm trying to find the right word because mm-hmm. um, to allow a child to stay, I mean, the ultimate goal is for them to have a home. And right. if they have a certain diagnosis, then mm-hmm. does it turn into kind of what we, we thought of years and years and years ago where they, they closed down these institutions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right now we have, um, so yeah, they're all mental health diagnoses, and it, and it all stems back to, um, you know, what kind of trauma they were involved in and things like that. So, um, you know, they get an evaluation, they have their diagnoses, and if a lot of times the facilities either A, doesn't have room, or B, um, can't deal with the extreme diagnoses that they have, or they, they're not staffed enough to, to deal with that. So it, it, it's kind of like a full circle right now that we're seeing um, either they don't have the right diagnosis or their diagnosis is so extreme that the facility can't handle. Ashley, would you like to, to add anything to our discussion at this point before we move forward? Um, I would just say that a lot of these kids who have these diagnoses, they also just need homes. Um, so that's our primary focus and our primary goal um, today. And so then let's talk about, uh, you're saying, okay, so some kids may have to stay while some kids are now being um, moved on in the system. So if there aren't mm-hmm. enough homes, you're saying that you're finding these kids having to sleep in safe places, but not a home. I mean, a hospital waiting mm-hmm. room is not a home. Right, right. And, you know, CYS caseworkers, it's kind of, they have custody of these youth at the time, so it's kind of put the pressure on them to find a safe place for them to live um, or even sleep for the night. So um, right now we are asking, you know, our community to help us, you know, come together either to be, you know, a full-on foster parent or we're looking for emergency respites, and that's just a respite could be, you know, a night, a day, an hour, um, even, you know, long-term respite care. So we're just really hoping that, you know, asking our community to help us out. And, you know, if you have the means to come and be certified to, you know, offer help to a youth that may need an emergency, you know, a place to sleep for a night or something. When were these laws changed? Has this been a few weeks? Has it been months? Of it? What are you looking it at? It was the beginning of the year. January 1st is when they actually put the, the act into effect. And, and this isn't like a new act. The Family First Prevention Act has been in place in, since 2018. Um, but that was, it, it was, they made modifications to it uh, as far as like the contract care and how a youth is able to stay there. 
So, Ashley, let me bring you back into the conversation, if you don't mind, and, and let's talk a little bit about um, the, the need right now and, and how um, individuals are placed, if you will. Because I think the ultimate goal, as you just mentioned, is to get these young people a home, a permanent home. Mm-hmm. But is that the jump that you're making? Or it sounds like when Tracy's talking there, Ashley, that it, it even if we could get an intermediary step, like, you know, just something that, mm-hmm. that would help along in this process. Um, what's your mm-hmm. thought on that? I definitely think there's a big need for um, respite homes, especially um, with older youth, because I even have one youth right now where her she was actually placed with her grandmother um, but then her grandmother had passed away, so we were in a position where we needed to find a new placement for her and with Family First and everything. Um, we were looking for a kinship, and we ultimately were able to identify one, but she is now experiencing some um, some things, like behavioral things, and there is no respite homes available for her to go to. Um, so I think it is really important for all of us to, like, stand together in order to find these respite homes and it would be very beneficial if the community could pull together to to start this process and and tracy mentioned a couple of minutes ago ashley that you know you've seen some good but you've seen a negative side to this mm-hmm. can you go more into that and tracy i'll ask you the same but ashley what, what about the negative side what other things are you seeing that are making this a bigger issue for folks like you and Family Pathways, others in organizations like yours, to make sure that this gets done? Yeah, of course. I would say the biggest, like, negative is um, a lot of these families, especially with, and personally with um, kinship homes, they're not really aware of the trauma that these youth have uh, experienced. Um, So to find respite homes and just homes in general that can, like, deal with the traumas and, like, um, the certain diagnoses and undiagnosed children, um, all of the problems that go along um, with kids in foster care because they have been through a lot. Um, and so finding these kids either a break or a forever home would be huge for them because then they would have that stability because a lot of these kids don't have that stability. Tracy, anything you'd mm-hmm. like to add? Yeah, I would just like to say, like, it's just putting a lot of pressure on the different facilities, um, you know, CYS in, in our county and other counties, um, you know, to find these homes. And, and with all that pressure comes with, you know, we're seeing a lot of turnover. And so we're bringing in a lot of new people into some a situation that they're not aware of or, you know, don't know how to handle. And so we're seeing a huge, huge um, increase in, in, in youth you know, not being in the right type of home or being in the right type of placement because, you know, either A, there's no room for the youth or B, um, you know, they just, they have to, you know, do whatever is available to them. So so I'm going to ask you this question, and, and this isn't a political question. I'm not trying to get you to, to discuss the law. Was it, you know, the right decision or not? My, yeah. my question is from your perspective as the work that you do, okay? Uh-huh. So is this better or worse now since that law was changed, or is it just a matter of change happens and you see challenges and you have to overcome those challenges? 
Um, I, I'm going to go with option B. I think that it has done a lot of good for our youth to get them out of these facilities when, you know, because it, it, it is kind of like a lockdown facility and they don't have a lot of um, advantages of being a normal kid, you know, having friends and things like that that come to their house. And um, so so in that way, it's, it's very positive. I just don't think um, facilities and, um, you know, agencies were actually ready for for what was to come. And then just coming out of um, everything with, you know, coronavirus and stuff like that, and it, it just was a lot to put on us at one time, I think. And I think a, a lot of folks can hear that comment and say, yeah, I understand as we're coming out of what we had to live. It, it's kind of mm-hmm. like a, a slow step back to a mm-hmm. new process. And, right. and it feels, do you feel like you're still in that, that midst of that process? There's definitely like this uh, COVID fog that I think, you know, we are coming out of. But I think, you know, with the, you know, these are children's lives. So, you know, we don't have time to just kind of laxy daisy it. You know, we, yeah. we're, you know, pushing forward and head on. And, and really, we're we just reaching out to our community to let them know what our need is um, and seeing, you know, if we can come together and, and really, you know, give these youth the homes that they deserve. Ashley, anything you'd like to add? Um, I don't think to that part of it, no. So let's talk a little bit about what you are asking from the community. I know you mentioned the respite service, but let's explain Mm -hmm. this a little bit more about uh, what it is that you need. So let's start with the respite service since you already mentioned that. So Tracy, I'll go ahead and and start with you whenever we're talking about the respite service. Um, Can you explain a little bit about what that is and then also how long is a respite stay? Mm -hmm. Sure. So uh, what happens with... Usually you'll come into our facility, which we're our family pathways, and um, you would talk to one of our workers, and we would go through the certification process just to make sure that you are a safe person to have a child in your um, home or in your care. So after that would be accomplished, you know, we would ask you what you're comfortable in doing. And so there are a lot of different things to where you could be, you know, a pre-adoptive home and, you know, go through everything and adopt the youth at the end of it. Um, or this respite that we're talking about is just, um, you know, you're not 100% committed to adopting a youth, but you want to help. And so with that being said, you come in, you become certified, and, you know, if we have a family who's struggling and, you know, may need a day or a night or an hour just to kind of breathe, we would call you up and say, hey, do you think you could take Billy for, you know, a few hours while this family, you know, has a date night or something? So it could be something as easy as that or, you know, middle of the night the county calls us and we're searching for home for this youth, um, we call you and say, hey, you think you can, you know, keep Billy until the morning until we can really dig in and try to find a permanent solution for this youth. Um, Or it could be uh, one of those emergency, again, calls that, you know, the youth disrupted from a home or a facility and there's nowhere else for that person, that youth to go. Um, You know, could you take Billy for a week or two until we could really, you know, send out our letters to the, the, um, you know, different facilities and things like that to get him a spot. Um, usually when a youth goes into a facility, you know, it takes time. They interview that youth, they get to know that youth, they get know the need, and then they make a decision whether or not they can, you know, help that youth. Ashley, can you speak to the, the fact of the, this? there's benefit in this for both 
the individual who's hosting the youth, if you will, and also the youth themselves. Can you talk about the, the benefit of this respite care to both parties? Yeah, of course. I think it for the youth, it gives them a sense of security to know that they are in a safe place, in a safe home for at least a night or couple weeks depending on what the service is or even um, if the home is pre-adoptive like we were talking about Um, and then I think the benefit for these families to do this is a sense of being able to help a child and being able to be a support for a child um, Mm -hmm. and to see the change in the child and just offer that safety um, is a great like I don't know. And I think one thing that families don't realize, too, is uh, we pay them. (laughs) So that's a benefit for them, too. Um, The county and the the agencies, they'll pay them um, per night that a a youth is in their home. So right now it's, um, I've seen it from $25 a day up until $350 a day. So it's a wide range, and it all depends on the needs of the youth. So, um yeah, we know that, you know, people want to help out for the kindness of their heart, but also, um, you know, it, we're not asking you to do anything that, um, you know, would put them out of their way or anything like that. We will compensate for, you know, their their service. Yeah. And uh, I also want to ask about why it's so important to go through the steps that you were describing, Tracy, about seeing if you're a good fit, if, if you're a family who wants to do this. Why is it so important to go through those steps now? Because in the moment when you're in the need, I don't want to say mm-hmm. that now, that's not the time to go through those steps. I mean, right. if you're in the need, you have a need, you have a need. But why is it important to do that early? Because we don't want to burn anyone out, right? We want to have our foster families for a lifetime or for as long as that they can do it. So we don't, our goal is never to put a child into a home that would not, you know, vibe well or, you know, that would be overly, um, you know, something that the family couldn't handle. So we like to come together as a group and a team and just discuss, you know, what are the needs of the youth and, and what the family has either already um had experience with or you know something that they have knowledge upon or you know anything that would give them an advantage of dealing with one of the youth that would be placed in their home so and and plus like we want to know their values their characteristics kind of like what they look for in a certain type of person because we want our matches to be um again you know good and and productive for both parties so we really go through and we talk about you know their lifestyle their values things that they want for their future and and i'm talking about you know caregivers um so we know what kind of youth would be you know good a good Mm -hmm. fit for their home in emergency situations though like Again, I think anyone could do anything for 12 hours, right? So (laughs) if they really wanted to do something, you know, so like, and those times, you know, we'll ask you maybe to take a a child that may not be the perfect fit for you, but in in honesty, it's only for a short amount of time until we can find that perfect fit for that youth. So there are a lot of, um, well, some situations that like, 
we can't really, you know, we don't have, our hands are tied. And so, like, you know, you might not have wanted a, a, a seven-year-old, but, you know, this is what we have and this is the need and, and, and you're the only, you know, home that we have available right now. So there are times, but for, you know, long-term placements and things like that, we really um, strive to make the perfect match. Yeah. Ashley, from your perspective, why is it important to do this now? I think it's important to do this now. Um, that way you're prepared for whenever, like, a youth needs placed. Um, you don't want to wait till the last minute to to decide to um, do this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, let me ask you then about other services, because I don't want to run out of time. I know you have more than just the respite services. Mm-hmm. So what's another service that you would have that people would need to understand that they can get involved in this, um, even if they don't want to go all the way to being a foster family, you can get involved in some way. We put on different events at Family Pathways, so we're always looking for volunteers. Um, we have a huge building, so we um, our donations are always great, um, clothing, hygiene products. Um, we just did like a back-to-school kind of drive, so we got book bags and school supplies for our youth. Um, anything that you can think of that would be comforting to a youth, you know, going into a place that, you know, they're not familiar with either would we would take as a donation um but really our our need right now is is foster families we we need our families in the community to come together and really provide um you know love and support for these youth that they're not getting um you know from their their biological parents or um you know other relatives and let's talk a little bit about foster homes. So let's say a family is listening and they've been thinking about this and they just haven't gone forward. Talk mm-hmm. about what it's like to be a family who is a foster uh, foster family, if you will, um, helping these kids find forever homes. Because if they're, it, it, the bulk of our conversation, at least in the beginning of our conversation, again, focused on these kids that are needing placements because of the change in laws. So mm-hmm. if there's a family out there that's been thinking about this, they could go through this process and really help out and find mm-hmm. a permanent home for some of these kids. So talk about what it's like and what the process is like. Sure. Uh, you would call into Family Pathways, and I'm going to put the phone number out there, 724-284-9440. That is our main line. You would call in and just, you know, state that you're interested in you know, the process of becoming a foster family. And um, one of our employees would give you a call and kind of give you the rundown on um, what the certification process is like. And it's just some training hours that you go through. We do ask that you have all of your clearances, so like FBI clearance. Um, I think there's three of them. I can't, off the top of my head, I can't remember them right now. There you go. And um, so you would go through all of that. And then that would come to the point where we would have that discussion on, like, what are you actually looking for? What would fit best in your family? And so we would have that conversation. Um, There's two different types of um, things that you can be certified for. You can be certified for a foster family. That means that you, you know, take first-day placements, which means, you know, there was an issue. The county was called. The county had to detain the kid from the home. And so then that child needs to go into what's called a foster home. There's also um, a pre-adoptive. You can become, and so you're just matching. There's already kids in the system whose parents' rights have been terminated, and those are the kids that are um, hurting the most from this act. And um, 
so the, these families, basically, there's a website. It's called Adopt PA Kids. And you go on the website and you look at their waiting youth, and those kids are available um, with l- low legal risks. So, like, there's no risk that the fi- that the child would go back to their family. And Ashley, why do you feel that this would be an important step that Tracy's talking about, uh, just becoming a foster parent and or a foster home? I think. It's just such a need um, in the community right now, and these children absolutely need someone to um, comfort them and support them and help them on their journey to permanency, whatever that should look like, if that means that that family particularly is the permanent option for them or they just need that support from that family in order to find a permanent option um, elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for anyone to... um, to step up and take this on and tracy remind me i'm going to go back to you for a moment remind me Mm -hmm. when we started this conversation you're talking about these youth in uh, certain locations that of course the law has changed so now they need to find a home because they cannot Mm -hmm. stay uh Mm -hmm. what was the age range that we're talking about because i think you and i've talked before about how older kids there's an important mm-hmm. role for foster pan- parents or respite stays for older kids. So what's mm-hmm. the age range that you're talking about that we started down the road in our, our at the beginning of our conversation? Yeah, I would probably say from 10 to 21. And, and more importantly, I would go from probably 14 to 21. Is like, you know, people see older youth and they kind of get worried like, oh, you know, they could be bad. They already know so much. Um, and, and in my experience, the older youth are way easier to deal with because they, they talk, they can express what they're feeling, um, and, and they may not have all the skills to express those feelings in a positive way, or, but um, they're able to tell you exactly, you know, what their issue is and, and stuff like that. And so I think that's a whole lot easier than, you know, a baby who... Um, you know, would just cry or, you know, something like that. Yeah, can't verbalize, yeah. Right. (laughs) So um, really our older youth are the ones that are suffering right now, and um, a a lot of people have these myths on, you know, don't get a teenager because, you know, they'll trash your house or whatever. And I will tell you that those those instances happen far less than what people think that they do. Um, Our teens are really... um, especially the ones who've been in care for a while, and you have to think, like, they've been in therapy since they've been in care. Like, that's one part of the component that we offer our teens um, in any setting that they're in. So they, they have a handle on kind of, like, what their experiences was and, and what their need is and how somebody could easily support them. So I really... Um, you know, want to encourage our community to, you know, reach out about a teen or, you know, meet a teen, become a mentor, something as easy as just, you know, picking them up from a facility that they're in and spending a few hours with them just so they can get out of that facility. So there are, you know, there's a possibility, endless possibility of, you know, what somebody could do. All we just need you to do is call in and so we can talk about, you know, what you're willing to do and kind of see where you would fit in um, with helping. There are a lot of uh, things that we forget that even though we're talking about teenagers or young adults, that mm-hmm. we forget as adults that they don't realize yet. They don't know yet. They don't, they don't understand 
I want to know how to buy a car, you know, right. you know, how to fill out a form for college. And even parents who had kids recently go back to college are saying, I haven't gone back to college for years, so I don't know how this goes. So, you know, I mean, if we're saying that as adults, mm -hmm. then these kids who have never done this before at all um, don't right. know how to do that. Right. And like driving, you know, kids, older teens that live in these facilities, they're not getting a chance to learn how to drive or um, even like social, being social, they're not getting the experience of going to homecoming or um, having a girlfriend. And so when they get out of the facilities and they're in homes, it's kind of like, oh man, like they kind of panic, like they don't have any of these experiences. So um, you might see that come out in a behavior, but really yeah. all they truly need is just guidance and support and, and someone to teach them. So, so uh, I'll ask you your final thoughts uh, real quickly. We only have a couple minutes left, and I'll ask you your contact information. Ashley, let me just start with you. Any final thoughts that you want to share about the importance of getting these kids into homes? Yeah, I'll just reiterate that I think it's important um, because these youth, especially the older youth, don't have these supports, and they need these supports. And that could be from learning how to drive, learning how to file taxes or learning like learning all these like new things that they don't know how to do um just to have someone support them in that um would be especially helpful ashley thank you so much i appreciate you being here today of course and tracy thank i you. just want to end with you and your final thoughts and of course the contact information for family pathways sure um, I just want, you know, everyone that's listening to know um, there's there's no, uh, like, nothing is too small. You know what I mean? Call in, see where the need is, and, and ask us how you can help because, um, you know, we'll, we'll find something, honestly. We are so um, bogged down with the need of finding placements for kids right now. It is very, um, I would say we probably get around five calls a day asking us if, if any of our families could take youth. And those are all different youth. It's not the same, you know, workers calling. So please call in. Please find, you know, something in your life or in, in your heart to, to share with these youth because they, they seriously need it right now. Now is the time. The need is huge. Um, in order to call, um, our, we have a website. Family Pathways has a website. We're on Facebook. The phone number, again, is 724 284-9440 and anyone here would be happy to talk to you about becoming a foster parent. Tracy, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure talking to you as well. Thank you for having us, Tracy. And folks, thank you very much for joining us. I am looking at the clock and we are out of time, but if you would like to get a hold of Family Pathways, of course, you have the information to do so. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find this audio again on our website if you joined us late or would like to listen to it in its entirety. Once again, you go to WISR680.com, pick programs, and then let's talk. I'm Tracy Morgan with the Butler Radio Network. The information and opinions shared on this program are solely those of our guests and do not necessarily represent those of WISR, the Butler County Radio Network, or its staff and employees.